Scotty, before we started this podcast, I used to wonder what fan fiction could be. Until you shared its magic with me. It's fun fiction! Welcome to Fun Fiction, ladies and gentlemen, the weekly podcast about movies, media, and the people who write about them. I am one of your hosts, Scotty Moore. And I'm the other host, Brenna Clark. Good evening or morning, fam. I don't know which one it is when you're listening to this. It could be afternoon. Who knows? What's afternoon? (laughs) Brenna's like, that's called the sleep times. Exactly. Oh, B, I'm... This is probably going to be our most wholesome episode out of all of them. Is it? As long as neither of us picked the uh, fanfiction cupcakes to read, yes, it will. Oh my god, I didn't even think about cupcakes. Oh, I did. I did, and I made an active attempt of like, no, I will not desecrate this beautiful show by reading cupcakes. I'm so disappointed in myself, but I guess I, I guess it's fine. We're due for some some family friendly fun fiction. That's right, and that's why we're doing My Little Pony. So, B, this is not a show that we should like because it's made for like five year olds. But God, it's so good. <laughs> well, I mean, is it made for five year olds? Kind of, but. Does it reach a much wider audience? Yes, yes, it does. It's not like, well, I mean, I've not watched a lot of Paw Patrol, but I have to assume there's not a lot that a adult can really gain from Paw Patrol. Whereas My Little Pony, like, friendship is magic for everyone. So true, and there's so many lessons to to be learned, Scotty. I've learned so much watching that show. (laughs) Mostly that friendship is, in fact, magic. Well, I already knew that, but it solidified the fact, sure. Right. Um, how did you get into, like, how did you discover MLP? Because I have a very distinct memory on my end. Oh my god, you, I don't, I'm not even sure. It's been so long that I feel like I just kind of fell into it. Like, I guess maybe it was just something kind of cute that I was like, hey, maybe I should check this out. And then I did, and the rest is history. Yeah, with me, it was my buddy Zach, who one day was just like, every few minutes would talk about My Little Pony like a joke almost until at one point he did it too much and I was like, he's being serious right now. He really likes this. And so I watched like the first two episodes that night and I messaged him like, you were right, this is a really good show. And he goes, I know! It's it's amazing. And it's not, I mean, there's a lot of interesting things that have come from the fandom and that can either be good or bad but i i honestly think that there are more adults that watch it than kids do well see i think this one like we did teen titans go a few weeks ago and in my opinion i think teen titans go is getting to a point where it's almost more written for the snarky older group i.e me and you whereas right Whereas My Little Pony really straddles the fence exceedingly well compared to anything else. As in being meant for kids and and for adults? Yeah, like being meant for both groups. Like, I don't think... I think Teen Titans Go occasionally will forget, like, oh, wait, this is a show meant for small children to watch. Meanwhile, MLP is all... I think MLP always remembers its core audience's little kids. 
I will say that I I can't remember off the top of my head any like um, jokes that are insinuating something not wholesome. They never talk. About, <laughs> One might say they never talk about uh, Big Mac's uh, baby hands. Oh God, no, no, not at all. Um, but yeah, dude, and, and like the characters are so good. Like I love the fact that they've gotten away with making essentially a bipolar psychopath in the form of Pinkie Pie be one of the main six. Oh, my dear Pinkie Pie. And they make the most socially anxious pony the princess of friendship. Oh, like, my God, right? She, I, I, more and more I start to see myself in Twilight Sparkle, even though I'm a hardcore Fluttershy. Yeah, you are the biggest Fluttershy I've ever met in my entire life. No, with me, like, I watched, uh, to prep for it, I didn't watch the show just because I had seen it before, and so I was like, right. I can remember it. But I watched the movie, which I had not seen yet, and it made Wait, me- you didn't watch it before? No, I had never seen the movie. This was the first time I ever saw the movie. Uh, my my mind is blown. How did you make it this far without watching it? I don't, I don't know. No, fun, fun behind the scenes story, though, is the fact that it is not available on, like, Netflix or Hulu or anything. Meaning, no. Meaning I had to go to Amazon Prime and fe- fetch up that seven bucks to buy it until I realized after I bought it that I was on my dad's account. So I had to make, <laughs> I had to make this walk of shame downstairs of like, yo, dad, um, I know you're taking the money out of my account for internet this week. Uh, can you take out like seven more dollars? <laughs> <laughs> what, what for, son? Uh, nothing. <laughs> nothing. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so yeah i finally ended up buying the movie and i never realized like what twilight was princess of like i just thought yeah you became a princess and that was that i didn't realize it was like grecian gods no they're all over something like cadence is like love or some shit and then okay because that was gonna be my next question because i love the fact that you have luna and celestia princesses of the moon and of the sun where you're like right that makes sense those two fits and then with cadence they were like uh love maybe and then when it finally got to uh, twilight they were like fuck it friendship bro like you got this i guess that that's the next important two things after day and night is love and friendship is love I and don't... friendship yeah it could have been life and death, but yeah, oh my god, the death pony! I want, I want that now. I should have. I that's uh oh, so many, so many missed opportunities with this podcast. Oh well. I am death pony. I'm trying to see. I'm on the Princess Caden's official Wikipedia article right now, and I cannot see. I don't see anywhere about what friend she is, like what what her uh, princessness is. I'm almost certain that it's love. Yeah. Also, what's your feeling on Equestria Girls? Because I felt real awkward about it. Also, yes, I it mean, is Princess of Love. That's what I thought. Um, I I really enjoyed it. I can see why you would be uncomfortable about it. It's weird. It's really It was a sin. I like, like, some of this stuff I feel is like cash grab and... Equestria Girls feels like the ultimate cash grab of now we can make, like, Barbies that we can sell to kids. Yeah, but those are the, like, best dolls I've ever seen in my life, and I own quite a few. (laughs) So, 
I, I'm, I don't fault them for it. And I think it's a really cool concept. This, I mean, they're, they open up the fact that there's other worlds and it, it's really interesting, yeah. but also lends itself uh, to a lot of other things. Well, I mean, I, this... I, I, kinda, I, I would wonder what you were talking about by other things, but when you look up Princess Caton, <clears throat> let me see. <laughs> Sixth recommended is Princess Caden's pregnant? No. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, and I don't think so. Did you know that that, that uh, faction of um, interest is called Cloth? Yep, I'm aware of that. <laughs> didn't we didn't need to bring it up. This was supposed to be the wholesome episode, Brenna. Kids don't know what that means. But, They'll just Google it. Yeah, and uh, you know all of our kid fans. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, I do. The one thing I do love about Equestria Girl is the fact that, yeah, you brought it up. The fact that there's a My Little Pony multiverse. Yeah, I mean, really. Mm-hmm. And the weirdest thing to me is that Twilight goes there and the other Twilight isn't there yet. Oh, but yeah, yeah. In my brain, I'm like, what would happen if the two Twilights met? Would the world explode? I want this to happen. That would probably happen. Did, so, have you ever taken a Myers-Briggs test? Because I want to test something yes. really quick. Do you know what you are? INFJ. INFJ. Okay. Oh, yes. shit. Okay. So, you're me and you are both uh, diagonal from who we truly are. Because on this <laughs> one, uh, the pony Myers-Briggs chart, which is something that shouldn't exist, but I found anyways, you are apparently, is, is it Zakora? Is that her name? Yeah. Yeah, you are Zakora. But if you look, I mean, if you look diagonal from both, you got Fluttershy on one side, and then you have Twilight on the other. Well, I guess that's a happy medium, but I don't, I don't, I don't get. Okay, that's fine. What's yours? I am an ENTJ, which has me as. Oh God, what's your name? Why can I never remember her name? What does she look like? Oh, Trixie. There we go. Oh, that makes sense. That tracks. And my favorite is Diagonal from Trixie, Pinkie Pie on one side, and Rainbow Dash on the other. Oh, Scotty, I hate to tell you this, but Rainbow Dash is the worst. I'm sorry, don't you dare talk about my lesbian horse friend more than that. Oh, I just, I don't, I don't know how to explain it to you, but I just, I wish she didn't exist. Britta. I'm sorry. Britta Clark, how dare you? I'm sorry. Because I was, uh, well, now I don't want to do the next thing I wanted to talk about. No, what were you about to do? I was going to say, what's your rating of the tops of the main six? Like, you're number oh. one to six, but I don't want to hear it because <laughs> I think I know who number six is. Yeah, you do. No, Britta. Look, I'm sorry. It's just... Like, okay, she has her moments, but she is so full of ego that it 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 drives That's me. That's because insane. she's awesome, Brenna. No, she's not, Scotty. I mean, okay. <laughs> she has rainbow hair. Okay, fucking great. Your jeans are cool. Whatever. Her parents are awesome looking. But I, past that, on, I, she does I, this I fly not, real fast. When you said jeans, I didn't think you meant genetics. And oh, my God. The, you saw some fan art of Rainbow Dash no. and some real sick, like, Jinko jeans. 
She, her body is blue. She's she's a, a blue jean pony, obviously. She's permanently denim. <laughs> but I'm very blue jeans favorite pony. Yeah. Um, it, it, I, I just she made a, like a big rainbow once that brought everybody together. But Brenna, she, it's not that, once she can do it permanently who, now. I don't care. Who cares? She what does she do for anybody? She doesn't. It's rainbow dash, rainbow dash, rainbow dash, rainbow dash. That's it. Let me tell you, she <laughs> saved a ship of pirates. Because, oh god! Because the no, but you know what she did right after that? She did a sonic rain boom, and then <laughs> the bad guys found them. Yeah, but the, the they were gonna die anyways. Bull! Oh my gosh! Because they all of them they worked for the Storm King, and then Rainbow Dash sings my favorite song in that entire movie, where she's just like, "You're fucking awesome." I don't think that was the exact wording, but that probably was it. not. But how was "Open Up Your Eyes" not your favorite song? That's the like best villain song of all time under "Be Prepared" from The Lion King. It was very good. I'm not gonna lie. Um, there was actually a lot of really good songs in it, actually. But how can a song called Time to Be Awesome not be my favorite? It is my number one. I, uh, oh my goodness, you're still my friend, but this is disappointing. Also, uh, actually, I, I did lie because my favorite song is, and I think it's only because it took me off guard, was when We Got the Beat just started playing at the beginning of the movie. And I'm like, whoa, wait, What? But then it's a pony version of We Got the Beat. Just as good. I don't care. I was like, yeah, I got the beat as well. Which is my favorite thing about My Little Pony, I think, is like the many ways that they have captured to make horse puns. Oh, it's as as someone who used to work at Build-A-Bear Workshop, where uh, I can probably, I can violently assault you with bear puns. Uh, I love yeah, puns. but I, I think My Little Pony actually does it better than Build a Bear does. Like, they kill it. I mean, every other word is pony. I just pony like every pony and like hoof for hand and like I don't I don't know. It's all okay. Now, just because I want to get back to this, because I'm not gonna let you. What is your main six? Like your rating, number one to number six. Okay, well, I, obviously, number one best pony is Fluttershy, which I want to direct your attention to the fact that she actually won best pony, um, I think, in 2014, but I'm not sure. Anyway, so under Fluttershy, it would probably be Pinkie Pie. Okay, and I'll accept Then, that. um, probably... Applejack, I think. No, sorry, Rarity after Pinkie Pie. Okay. And then Applejack, and then Twilight, and then Rainbow Dash. You are a garbage human. I Look, I can't help it that our mm, opinions are very different, but that's just how the world works. So, number one, obviously, is Pinkie Pie the Party Pony. Number that's fine. Number two is my glorious lesbian horse, Rainbow Dash. No, but it's okay. No, I mean, I'm right, and you're wrong. <laughs> Number three is Fluttershy. Number That's fine too. four is Twilight. Number five is Applejack. Number six is Rarity. 
why? Rarity's so good. I mean, she's good, but she's not as good as everyone else. Like, okay, fine. It's, it's basically top five because Rarity and uh and Applejack are tied for number five. In all honesty, yeah. I mean, it's it's hard. Well, not for me, but it's hard to to say who's the least best pony because. Unless you're a terrible human being with a soul made of dirt like you. Look, she if 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 she wasn't included, then I I, I would probably have a harder time ranking them because I would feel bad. But and I, actually, I probably would want to switch Twilight and Applejack because sometimes I just Applejack's just too much of a um, caricature of the South. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh wait, I forgot to add my uh, my number one. I'm sorry, everyone else is getting moved down because fucking Tempest Shadow, aka oh! Fizzle Pop <laughs> Berry Twist, is my number one main horse. Oh my gosh, she like her look, her everything is just like mind blowing. Let me put it this way: at the end of the movie, after they defeat the Storm King. I didn't give a shit what happened. It was nothing but fix her horn. Hey, Twilight, I know you gotta kind of fix shit right now. Fix the girl's fucking horn. Oh, cool. Oh, cool. All the princesses have their powers back. Fix the girl's horn! But, like, I don't know that they've ever showed, like, a power of regeneration or something, so I, I don't know exactly how that would work unless they gave her a horn prosthetic, which, uh, unless they made it to um, channel magic out of it wouldn't help her anyway so i don't know oh wait wait hold on a second what i'm i'm on uh i'm on the official mlp forums uh <laughs> so in the end credits i noticed that tempest produced pink magic however i did not notice if she had her horn back no her horn st- stays broken she can still s- okay son of a bitch no here's what i wanted to happen i wanted them to take the crystal that had all the princess power in it. Right. Give most of it back, but then all the residual magic becomes her horn. Because I'm like, it's already horn-shaped! Just shove it in her fucking forehead, and then you've got it! (laughs) You would make a horrible surgeon. (laughs) Just shove it in! Oh my god. Also, also, can I just say this conversation has made me mad because I forgot they didn't fix her fucking horn. For some reason, I thought they did at the uh, concert that was performed by Horsea, but no, no, they didn't, and I'm now salty about it. I just, I don't see an option for that to work unless Twilight did some extensive researching and... I I don't know. So you you may have to dial it down on that one and just wait it out. And maybe in the next movie, we'll get that. Look, have you heard the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Rohais? What? He was a Sith legend. He was oh so powerful, he could use the Force to influence Midichlorians to create life and also pony horns. Well, get me a crossover then. <laughs> Oh man, I wish I, now I wish I found a fan fiction this week where Tempest got her horn back, but I think the one I got was just as good. Also, can I just say every friend they make in that movie gives me life. Like they didn't have a single character where I was just like, "Oh, this is just an annoying addition." No, I was like, "I love them all." 
No, they are all great, but my favorites are probably the sea ponies. The sea ponies were all, they were actually going to be third on my list. Uh, third? Captain's oh, Hook. for the best po- best pony list? No, 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 for my uh, best of the three friends they make. Oh, uh, well. Because <laughs> originally it was Captain Solano, because A, it's voiced by Gamora, so how could I say no to that? Right. And she's a dope-ass parrot pirate. But you know who grew on me? Capper, Capper, that Tay Diggs voiced motherfucker. I'm going to tell you something. Like, I love that he's a cat and he's like really dashing and really cunning and all this. But the fact that he betrayed them, even though he tries to make up for it, it it left a hole in my heart. And I just I can't. He would probably be number three on my list. I didn't think, what's bad is I didn't think he was selling them. I thought he was going to be like, magic me up some money, ponies, and then pay my debt, and then you can go. And then they bust in like, we're about to buy some horses. And I'm like, no, 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 wait, no, that's not good. Yeah, the scary-ass mole just pops in, and he's like, hey, ponies, let's go. Mm. And then, no. Nah, dude, he, he won me back. I want a crossover fan fiction. So people out there get get to writing. I want a crossover fan fiction where Capper goes to Zootopia and hangs out with Nick Wilde. Like, I, those yeah. two are the best. I don't... I feel like that would be like a um, heist movie, like an Ant-Man sort of situation where they would just, like... No, it's be stealing it, stuff. It's Capper's Eleven. It's gonna be Capper, um, fucking, um, the main guy from Cats Don't Dance, uh, <laughs> Nick Wilde, um, and then they need Finnick, obviously. Oh yeah, Finnick's gonna be there. They need, um, they need some police, uh, like a police help though. So they call in Bonkers. Clawhauser. Oh, oh. Clawhauser. <laughs> no, I was gonna get Bonkers from good old old Disney Channel. Bonkers. Oh god! Oh man, what other uh, what other weird cat cunning cats are there? Well, you could get Thomas O'Malley from. Oh hell cats. yes! No dog, we're definitely getting Thomas O'Malley. <laughs> oh, oh man, I can't wait for Capper's Eleven to come to theaters. Me neither. This is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, because well, it's gonna come out during Christmas, and the tagline's gonna be like we're. <laughs> Santa's not the only claws coming to how ha- coming to your house this Christmas. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. I like uh-huh. it. Oh man, let me see if there's anything I really. Oh yeah, I'm in. Apparently, I'm in My Little Pony. Um, I didn't realize this uh, until I saw the movie, but I'm in My Little Pony, Brenna. I still, I would like to know what life choices you made in order for Christmas lights. To be your cutie mark. What's bad is I googled him afterwards. His name's apparently Code Red. He was only in the- What? His name was Code Red. He's only in the movie. That's it. So there's no explanation, no backstory. So I still love my idea, which was the fact that his, uh, his son got sent to the Upside Down and his cutie mark is how he communicates with them. I mean, I'm all for that, but- Code Red is, like, the worst name ever. Does he drink a lot of Mountain Dew? That's what like, it is. He what? loves that Mountain Dew, baby. But speaking of names, like, can we just talk about how Fizzlepop Berry Twist named herself better than any brony could ever name their OC? <laughs> yeah. Like, 
Tempest Shadow is the most bitchin' name I have ever heard in yeah. my life. And my my pony that I made for myself, like I the the name that I settled on was True Heart. True Heart. And it's like, what am I doing with my life? Mm-hmm. I don't and and she's blue with brown hair and a clotta for her cutie mark. Like yeah. I am so basic. <laughs> Also, I just want to say, like, this one's just going to be a quick aside, but the animation quality on the fucking film, holy shit, dude, because, like, I'm sorry, I kept calling back to Teen Titans Go, because, God, that's still my favorite movie of all time, but, like, the movie and the show are basically animated roughly the same. Meanwhile, My Little Pony was like, we're going to spend $5 billion to make this movie look beautiful. Yeah, I remember being really disturbed when I went to go see it because it was so different. And I was like, what did they do to my ponies? But then yeah. my eyes adjusted and it was fine. <laughs> but it does look really good. Yeah, it was really, really good. But you know what else is good, Brenna? What else is good, Scotty? All of our lovely patrons at patreon.com slash a load of BS. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Patreon.com slash a load of BS is where you can support fun fiction. You can support opposite attractions, a load of BS, fight boys, all of the BS network programs. We need your help, and you can give it to us over at patreon.com slash a load of BS. Now, B, it's we've talked the movie, we've talked the show. But we got to get into our fan fiction this week, and I will concede. I will let you go first. I'm I'm so thankful for that. Thank you okay. so much. Um, so mine is called After the Storm, and it's by Blue Cat Cinema. Okay. Also, Blue, Blue Cat Cinema is also going to be in Capper's Eleven. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. Blue Cat, yeah. The the staple of the movie. Um. See, now I've lost my starting point. There we are. The day was one. The Storm King had been defeated, and the staff of Sakanis had been used to return the Alicorn's magic to their owners, restoring the damage caused to Canterlot during the invasion and the process. Twilight Sparkle and her friends had gathered around the princesses in triumph, while Tempest stood off to the side, observing the moment. Well done, every pony. Princess Celestia smiled at Twilight and her friends. Once again, you've saved all of Equestria from a terrible fate. Hey, it's what we do, Rainbow joked. We're just glad every pony is safe, Fluttershy added. And that the Storm King got what was coming to him, Applejack grinned. Him and his army won't be conquering any other places anytime soon. Are we to assume there's a reason why this one is still here? Princess Luna asked, casting a suspicious look at Tempest, who bowed her head in shame. If memory serves, she was the one who turned us to stone in the first place. It's okay, Twilight assured her. Tempest turned against the Storm King. She even saved us from his final attack. Indeed, Rarity nodded. Let's just say that if it weren't for Miss Shadow, we'd all be modeling that rather tacky stone overcoat look right now. Yeah, we over big time, Rainbow added. After a quick explanation, there was a moment of silence as the princesses processed this information. Tempest, could you please come closer? Celestia requested. Tempest stepped forward. I, I have no excuse for my actions, she admitted. I betrayed my own homeland out of selfishness brought pain and misery to my fellow ponies, and I'm sorry. She dropped to her knees. Whatever punishment you think I deserve, I'll accept it. Princess just shared a look. I don't think that will be necessary, Celestia declared. It won't? Tempest looked up, confused. Her confusion grew when she saw the kind smile on Celestia's face. No, Celestia smiled even more wildly. Wildly. 
If Twilight says you've changed your ways, that's good enough for us, Cadence nodded. It certainly is, Luna agreed, her former suspicions gone. And in truth, you are by no means the first pony ever to have lost her way. When push came to shove, you chose the right side, and we thank you for that. I think you just got an official, unofficial royal pardon, Tempest. Pinky smiled. Congratulations, Twilight added. Thank you, Tempest said quietly, humbled by their acceptance. Thank you all. After that, the cleanup went quite smoothly. The Staphus Iconis had been safely stored away, as had the Storm King's shattered remains. The members of the Storm King's army, who hadn't been swept away by the tornado he'd created, were in no condition to fight, and the news of their leader's defeat had left them with no choice but to surrender peacefully, throwing themselves on the mercy of the princesses, who turned out to have plenty to spare. Some had even been allowed to attend the party, a fact that bemused Tempest. They really are a forgiving bunch, Tempest thought of her fellow ponies. They forgave me for all I did, but I'm not sure if I ever even deserve it. Tempest's thoughts were interrupted by a muffled sound coming from under a nearby refreshments table. Moving in to investigate, she pulled up the cloth, revealing her former second-in-command, Grubber, enjoying a slice of cake. His formerly white hair had been dyed multiple colors, and he had replaced his uniform with a vest that had a picture of a cupcake on it. Just as I thought, Tempest declared, I'd recognize the sound of you stuffing your face anywhere. Grubber nearly choked on some cake. Commander Tempest, he said nervously. You don't have to call me that anymore, Grubber, Tempest rolled her eyes. I'm pretty sure we're both out of a job at the moment. Oh, right, Grubber nodded. Eh, no sad loss. The Storm King nearly blew us all away, and he didn't even keep his promise to fix your horn. I'm starting to think he wasn't a very good boss. Tell me about it, Tempest rolled her eyes. How did you survive the tornado, anyway? Well, when all the fighting started, I uh, hid behind some crates, Grubber admitted sheepishly. All those crates saved me from getting blown away, barely. Good thing, too, or I'd have missed out on all these great eats. He shoveled another piece of cake into his eager mouth. Same old grubber, Tempest rolled her eyes. A thought suddenly occurred to her, a quite regretful thought. Grubber, I... I'm sorry. Okay. For what? Grubber frowned. For always being so harsh with you, Tempest admitted guiltily. You? Harsh? Nah. Grubber laughed nervously. Tempest raised an unamused eyebrow at Grubber. Well, maybe you were a little harsh sometimes, Grubber admitted, but I probably deserved it. No, you didn't, Tempest said firmly. You stood by me through the entire mission, supported me all the way. That's more than than can be said about our former master, she added with a grimace. You may not have been the strongest soldier or the smartest, but no pony under my command was as loyal. Ah, thanks, Grubber blushed. Cupcake? He offered her one of the several confections he had procured. Sure, Tempest smiled at accepting the treat. For a moment, they ate their food in silence. So, what are you going to do now? Grubber asked. What's next for Miss Tempest's shadow? He held up an eclair like a microphone. I was thinking I'd stick around, Tempest admitted. Equestria is my home, and I'd say I've been away long enough. That's cool, Grubber nodded. Maybe I'll head back home, too, back to my tribe, where I'm just the rut. Oh, that's... that's a plan, I suppose, Tempest mused as another thought came to her. But... I was wondering if you'd like to stay with me. Grubber almost choked on his food again. You want me to stay? He asked, surprised. Like I said, you always stuck by me, Tempest reminded him. Truth be told, I've gotten used to having you around, and she sighed deeply. I really don't want to be alone again. Not ever. I spent years thinking that was the only way to survive, but I was wrong. Well, uh, I'm not exactly married to that whole go-back-to-my-tribe idea, Grubber admitted. I guess I can stick with you if that's what you want. Besides, it'd be a shame to break up such a winning team, am I right? Of course it would, Tempest chuckled lightly. And I liked being around you too, Grubber declared, even when you were just being a little bit harsh with me. Yeah, just a little bit. 
Tempest rolled her eyes again. You won't regret this, I promise, Grubber pledged. Whatever happens, whatever troubles ahead, I'm with you all the way. You know something? Tempest smiled. I think I had a friend with me all along and I just never realized it. Wow, Grubber beamed. Gotta say, I'm really liking this nicer side of you, Tempest. Thanks. Tempest grinned. Now, how about first thing tomorrow we head out and find a place of our own to stay in, a place where we can live the way we want to, with no big-headed, small-minded kings telling us what to do. Sounds like a plan, Grubber nodded, but right now, more food. Grubber ate the eclair in one bite and offered Tempest a piece of funnel cake, which she gladly accepted. The end. <laughs> also, it, you got, you're letting me bring up my other favorite character from the movie, which was Grubber. 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 Yeah. Was, did you, have you, apparently, Michael Pena who played Grubber and is one of my low-key favorite actors. Uh, apparently, they just put him in the recording booth and let him go, and so a lot of uh, Grubber's lines were all improv by him. That really does not surprise me. Yeah. So, yeah, Grubber, I'm happy you, you, you let me come back into the world of the Grubmeister. Yeah, I thought it was really sweet, and I just, I needed some Tempest sweetness. Mm-hmm. After me watching the movie of Tempest Evil. Yeah, bless her heart. It's not her fault. Now, mine is not... Mine this week is not based off the movie, so unfortunately there will be no Tempest Shadow. Um, but it is called Pony Natural by... Oh, God! By Cat... I think Kagarina Eternal? Hmm. Um, yeah, I know. I just screwed their name royally, but this is Pony Natural. Let's do it. Rain poured from the sky pattering on Dean's face and seeping into his skin. He groaned, shifting slightly, stopping as mud squelched under his arms. His head swam and his brain felt fuzzy. He wasn't sure where he was or what had happened. His last memory was of trying to banish a room full of loud-mouthed angel dicks. Something must have mm -hmm. gone wrong somewhere, though. He couldn't feel put together quite right. What in tarnation? A, po oh, a pony could catch their death sleeping out in the rain? Are you, you alright there, sugar cube? Dean blinked bleary eyes as he raised his face to the voice, making out a hazy face framed by blonde hair and a cowboy hat. Pony? He questioned weakly, trying to push himself out of the mud. His arms felt odd, like they were bent the wrong way, yet there was no pain. He swayed violently, nearly falling back to the ground. A warm pressure caught him, however, setting him upright. Y'all are kind of having a... Y'all are having kind of a rough night, ain't you? Yeah, something like that. He answered, turning his head to look at the girl that was helping him. His eyes went wide and he recoiled. Son of a... You're a horse! The dark-coated Palomino raised an eyebrow. Uh, pony, actually. Just like you, fella. Alright, listen, sister. You seem nice enough, so I'm not gonna gank <laughs> you. But I am not a pony. He took a step back, tripping over a protruding root and finding himself on his back, legs in the air. All four of them. What the hey? What the hey? Never mind. Zachariah, you feathery lunatic. W what is this? You think you could turn me into a, f a reekin' horse and I'll say yes? Think again, you do. Whoa! The mare had grabbed hold of his tail. Oh, God, he had a tail. And was tugging him to his feet once more. That's better. She stated once she had him on all fours. It ain't gentle coltly to shout like that, especially since there's no pony out here excepting for you and me. Now, my name's Matt Applejack. Who might you be? Mind still reeling, Dean opens, opens his mouth. He was pretty sure his head held his tongue to say his name, but what tumbled out was Angel Blade. 
Oh, fantastic. Not only was his brain-to-mouth function severely dysfunctional, but that had to be his alias. Those dick angels with a broken humor. The only thing more obvious would be if they were making him call himself Michael Sword. Angel Blade, huh? That's an odd one, I gotta admit, but it makes sense. Dean raised an eyebrow at Applejack. It does? Well, hey, yeah, it does. Matches your cutie mark perfectly. My what now? Dean, mm -hmm. Dean hoped and prayed he'd misheard before realizing that prayers would only be heard by the bastards that did this to him in the first place. Your cutie mark, silly. On your flank. Applejack turned, showing her flank to Dean. He frowned at the three apples before looking away, hit with the knowledge that he was basically staring at the pony's ass. <laughs> Those bastards put a tramp stamp on my ass? Dean rolled his eyes at the sky before craning his neck around to take a look at the offending mark raising an eyebrow. A silver sword was emblazoned over his tan coat, black wings making up the guard. Closer inspection revealed his anti-possession tattoo inlaid in the hilt. Right. I guess that's not too bad. He muttered lowly. Actually, it was kind of bitchin'. Wind shrieked behind the trees, chilling him through his damp skin, and he shivered, spraying droplets off his coat. Applejack shied away from the cast-off before bringing a hoof to her forehead in a way that norm no normal equine should have been able to do. Aw, oh, shoot, look at me jabbering on when you've been out in the rain for Celestia knows how long. Now you just fo follow me, fella. You're in for some Apple family hospitality tonight. Dean hesitated before following the Palomino mare through the darkness. Talking ponies might be creepy and unnatural, but it sure beats sleeping in the mud. They didn't have to walk far before a large structure appeared in a large patch of cleared ground. A flash of lightning overhead revealed it to be a bright red barn. Sure good to be home, Applejack announced, pushing the door open with her foreleg. And out of that rain. I'll second that second I'll second that last part. Dean grumbled, unconsciously shaking himself before stepping into the structure. He ignored the cracks about her living in a barn that tumbled through his mind, reminding himself that she was a horse. Besides, <laughs> on the inside, it actually resembled a house, somewhat. Nice place. Point me to the couch and I'll crash. Now y'all is being ridiculous. We'll get you a bed, but first how about some grub? Dean's stomach turned at the thought of food. It wasn't that he wasn't hungry, but he couldn't see himself munching on hay, even if he was technically a pony. And he couldn't exactly ask for a bacon cheeseburger. Before he could protest, however, a Applejack raised a hoof to her mouth and whistled. There was a rumbling, and then suddenly the room was filled with ponies. Angel Blade, allow me to introduce the Apple family. This here's Apple Fritter, Big Macintosh, Cousin Brayburn, Granny Smith. Dean zoned out, trying and failing to keep up with all the ponies that, that, that there were introduced. Applejack continued the introductions without pausing for breath until a tiny little pony with a ridiculously large bow stepped forward. And this is my little sister, Apple Bloom. Family, this here is Angel Blade. Found the poor colt sleeping out in the mud and promised him some of our hospitality. Come on, every pony, let's get some soup on. The enormous Apple family scattered, leaving a very confused Dean standing in the middle of the room, blinking dazedly. Enjoying yourself, Dean? Dean turned, glaring hard at the winged pony that had materialized in the room. Zach no. Zachariah, you feathery dickwad. Even as a cutesy pony, you still look like a creepy douchebag. Finally, his mouth was working again. Ah, uh -uh, language, Dino. Be honest with yourself, you pitiful mud monkey. You already hate it here. Just say the word and you can go home and be back on two legs. You know what, Zach? Screw you. You can drop me in this cutesy puke bucket. Hell, you can even leave me here. I don't care, because the answer is no. 
It will always be no. Zachariah's face faltered for a moment. Have it your way, then. Enjoy the rest of your life as a pony. When you change your mind, let me know. With a flap of his wings, the angel was gone, vanishing just as Apple Bloom's bow came into view. Mr. Who was you talking to? No pony, kid. Ugh, damn it. Why are you staring at me like that? How'd you get your cutie mark, mister? Whatever, no. it, whatever, whatever it is that makes you who you are. I bet it's really something. Dean sighed, craning his neck to glance at the ass tattoo. <clears throat> Honestly couldn't tell you, kid. This thing isn't me at all. Apple Bloom looked confused, but her next question was cut off by Applejack's reappearance. Apple Bloom, Angel Blade, supper's on! She pointed a hoof at Dean. You'd better get a move on, fella, or you miss out on Granny's famous Cures What Ails You. Once again, Dean's eyebrow rose, this time out of wariness. He really did not want to eat hay. Then again, what choice did he have? Eat straw or say yes? Roughage it was. Grudgingly, he followed the sisters to a long table, perking up at the sight. Real food covered every inch of it. Sure, it was almost made out of it was all almost made out of apples, but hell, it wasn't grass. His stomach rumbled hungrily. Maybe he could get used to this pony thing. He found a spot by a large chestnut pony that he recalled was named Big Macintosh. The larger stallion eyed him suspiciously, and Dean couldn't help scooting a bit farther away. If this guy was a human, he'd probably outsize Sam. It'd be better to stay on his good side. He focused his attention on the table in front of him, his eyes going wide as a steaming hot pie was placed before him. All yours, sugar cube. Granny's cure-all apple pie, the best in Equestria. Applejack gave him a smile before moving farther down the table and taking an empty seat. Dig in, every pony. Dean didn't need to be told twice. He dove into that pie, moaning with delight after the first bite. Best in Equestria, indeed. Try best in the universe. He was pretty sure this pie was better than sex, which he really did not want to think about at the moment. Instead, he thought back to the last time he was surrounded by apples, grateful for the lack of pagan scarecrow gods and sociopathic denizens. This time, he knew without a doubt that he'd never gotten the chance to find out back at... This time, he knew without a doubt what he'd never gotten the chance to find out back in freaking Stepford. So what if he had to prance around on all fours for the rest of his life? So what if he had a tattoo stamped on his ass cheek? So what if he never got to taste another hamburger? The pie? The pie was definitely worth it. <laughs> and the end. That was really great. I know. Kegata and I eternal. You killed it. You had it and I'm in. Mm-hmm. I tried my best. Like, dude... Apparently, My Little Pony <laughs> fan fiction writers are insane because every fanfic I could find was like 50,000 words. And I was like, oh, yeah. y'all got into it. Actually, the one that I read from has like a, a, a butt ton of chapters, and that was just like the tip of the iceberg. Oh my god, Jesus. MLP fans, y'all got it. Yeah, man, they're they're doing work with an E. Yeah, okay. For some reason, I put the work, the e at the end of work, like some yeah. some weird Canadian spelling, uh, an Elizabethan work. Yes, exactly. But see, Brenna, here's the thing: I, people listen to this show, and you know they gotta love us just reading, just reading out books. And I just, I wish there was a company that let us find people who read books for a living. 
Is Does such a thing exist? Well, if it did, I'd say you could find it over at audibletrial.com slash bsnetwork. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Audible is your number one site for audiobooks where you can discover over hundreds of thousands of audiobooks delivered straight to you. You get a free one every single month, and then, of course, you can buy more if you want. And... You can get my books. You can get Quizzle Corp or Quizzle Corp Risen for absolutely free if you get a free 30-day trial of, of Audible over at audibletrial.com slash BS Network. Or, of course, you can pick out any other. You can get the Harry Potter books because we do that. You can get... Brenna, what's your fa- What's your? What are you audibling right now? Oh, God. Well, I'm audibling a book called uh, Every Heart a Doorway, and I'm sure you don't want me to tell you what it's about, but it is written by, if I can get my Audible app up, how many times can we say Audible in this uh, podcast, uh, by uh, Shannon McGuire. Okay, awesome, awesome, awesome. So, yeah, if you want to check that out or any of my books or anything else, go to audibletrial.com slash BS Network. B, I'm, I'm so tired. Are you? I'm so, I'm so tired. I've been, I've been writing stories. I've been writing adventures every week and it's just, it's killing me. It's, I wish I could do something to help. I know, Brenna, can you just. Can you, Pony Joke, can you take the reins this week? Oh, oh God. I feel so uh, put on the spot. I know. Improvise an entire 20-minute story, B. Do it. <sighs> okay. I mean, I, I guess if that's something you're into. Uh, so, uh, here, here goes. Um, okay. <laughs> the day was nice enough to start out with. It was summer, and the sun was shining on the outskirts of Ponyville, illuminating the lush green grass and sending rainbows fluttering off dewdrops sprinkled randomly on the ground. Three ponies had woken up with the dawn in their separate houses, running circles around their parents' sleeping forms, yelling, Can we go play? Can we go play? A huff from their moms and a grunt from their dads was all they needed, and they sprinted out into the day. A seafoam... Seafoam green filly was the first to emerge, shaking her pastel mint hair, catching the morning breeze. She looked around for her friends, spotting midnight skies almost immediately. The baby blue colt grinned ear to ear as he caught her eyes and raised a hoof in greeting. Hey, Treefall, where's Fizzlepop? Fizzlepop Berry Twist was tearing her house apart looking for the ball. The three ponies took turns taking it home, treating it as one shared possession. She was supposed to bring it out this morning because Midnight's Week would start tonight. She saw a flash of yellow under the couch and focused her magic on it. Her mind reeled in her catch, and soon the ball was suspended in midair surrounded by a lilac band of power. She smiled and galloped out of the front door. Her friends were lounging on their backs in the grass, pointing up at the clouds passing by. She heard Tree shriek, That one looks like a parasprite! Fizzlepop sent the ball flying in their direction, but only hard enough so it would roll and gently nudge Tree's flank. The filly popped up in surprise, but the confusion melted off of her face once she saw the ball and pinpointed its origin. She waved, picking up the ball with a pale golden wave of magic. Midnight rolled over onto all fours, stretching out each leg in anticipation of what would happen next. As if on cue, all three ponies started trotting, then galloping, tossing the ball back and forth between them. The trio were seeing how long they could go without the ball touching the ground, and whoever made the error of dropping it had to retrieve it and lose their spot in the ball rotation. 
Stakes were high, spirits were higher, and the three friends ran far past the city, only slowing their stride to catch their breath in between fits of laughter. Midnight made risky tosses with his powder blue aura that Tree always chided him for, but Fizzlepop loved the challenge. He smiled at her and threw the ball in her direction. At the same time, the sky grew dark and Fizzlepop realized they had wandered too far. They were surrounded by towering trees and the ambient noise of distant wild creatures. They had run straight to the Everfree Forest. They had always been forbidden to enter it as there were many dangers that ran amok there. She hadn't realized that they had been running so long. She wasn't even sure how far away her house was, how close to help they might be if something chose to attack them. She had an overwhelming, uneasy feeling take a hold of her and her, felt her mouth open in warning. So focused on their mistake, Fizzlepop had forgotten the ball was careening towards her. She looked back to say something to Midnight as it was about to make contact with her face and on instinct flung the ball away from herself. She watched as it sailed over Midnight's head, hit the ground, and started rolling. She let out a panicked whinny as she saw the direction it was rolling in. It was headed for the home of the Ursa Major. Her small yet gangly legs couldn't take her fast enough. The ball was inside far before she ever reached the mouth of the cave. She stopped abruptly, kicking up a storm of dirt and debris behind her. She turned to face her face her friends, eyes wide and apologetic. Oh man, I'm, I'm so sorry, guys. I'll, I'll see if I can help out on the apple farm or something and make a little money and I can buy us a new one. Or maybe my parents would get one. I'm sure they'd understand if we told them what happened. I, I should have been more careful. Fizzlepop waited for what felt like an eternity for her friends to respond. Midnight was the first to speak, saying, It's okay, Fizz. It was probably my fault anyway. I lobbed it a little hard at you. None of us were exactly paying attention to where we were going either. Let's just get out of here before we get hurt. We, we can get a new ball, right, Tree? Treefall's gaze was hard. She was the leader of the trio and, as such, always acted with a superiority far beyond, beyond her years. Tree let out a sigh, and her tone as she spoke was sharp but almost regretful. Fizz, what's our rule? Fizzlepop stared at her in disbelief. I, I, I know I dropped it, Tree, but I, I can't go in there. That Ursa will eat me alive. Tree rolled her eyes. It's hibernation season, Fizzlepop. It'll be fast asleep. I mean, I get it if you're chicken and want to go home, but how will we ever get your cutie mark if you're too scared to try things? The sudden fear of being a blank plank racked Fizzlepop. She would sometimes see a group of older fillies and colts roaming outside of the regular cliques at school, unsure of where they belonged. There was nothing she feared more than getting her cutie mark later than her friends, knowing that they would have to move on in their lives with the roadmap that their special talent had given them. She couldn't imagine being left behind, being forgotten. Even so, she doubted something as small as retrieving a ball would trigger such a transformation, but other ponies had found their talents doing much less. This inner argument sent her heart fluttering. Tree let out an impatient huff and Fizzlepop snapped back to the present. If she let them down now... She would lose them almost as certainly as she would if they discovered her, their talents before she did. It was an awful, sobering thought. They were almost as close to her heart as her own family, and the thought of them walking away from her made her stomach lurch. She sucked in a breath, stilled her nerves, and walked forward. As she found herself in the opening of the cave, she glanced back at her friends. Tree smiled encouragingly, but Midnight would not look up to meet her gaze. She had the sudden urge to cry, but swallowed it to return Tree's smile. She shook her magenta mane, trying to loosen the panicked thoughts grabbing her mind like a vise, and disappeared into the cave. First thing she noticed was the cold. A wet and unforgiving breeze traveled from the back of the cave towards her muzzle. The air was thick and musty, and there were only thin strips of light streaming in from the cave mouth. Fizzlepop kept her gaze on the ground, trying to make sure she wouldn't overlook the small yellow ball. 
cave opened up as she walked further back, and somehow the light was getting brighter. She saw the ball laying in the middle of the cave floor, and she let out a triumphant scream. Yes! The word echoed through the cave as Fizzlepop picked the ball up with a small stream of magic. Her gaze lifted with the ball, and that's when she saw it. The Ursa Major was right in front of her, eyes closed but nose twitching. Could it smell her? She let out an involuntary, involuntary gasp, and all at once the bear's eyes opened and she could see its eyes dilating, trying to focus on her shape. It realized she was an intruder, and to protect the cubs that had been curled around, it jumped up, prepared to attack. Fizzlepop flung the ball behind her, desperately hoping it would make it to her friends. She screamed, run, praying that they would hear and get their parents. She closed her eyes as the bear roared at her and focused on making a beam of magic to hurl at the creature. She opened them, prepared to strike, and the bear already had a paw up, on course to connect with her face. Before she could cry out, the swipe made contact, claws scraping down her eye and across her horn. Pain radiated through her, and everything went black. She woke up in her own bed days later. She thought at first everything had been a dream, until she realized she couldn't open her right eye, and when she, attempt she attempted to use her magic, a shower of sparks sprouted from what was her horn, and a blinding pain followed. She cried out, and her parents rushed to her aid. They comforted her and attempted to update her on what she had missed. Midnight, after losing sight of Fizzlepop, panicked and ran home, leaving Tree at the cave to watch for Fizzlepop's reemergence. He grabbed as many adults as he could, leading them back towards the forest, explaining the situation breathlessly. Tree was in tears when they arrived. She had just heard Fizzlepop scream and was uncertain whether her friend was still alive. The ball was resting at her feet. The mares and stallions rushed in, magic drawn, and subdued, subdued, subdued the bear long enough to pull Fizzlepop out, broken and bleeding. Fizzlepop smiled as her mom said, Midnight and Tree have been here in shifts every other weekend. Those are two great friends you have. They'll be so excited that you're awake. Maybe later on this week, when you've gotten your strength back, we can let you go out with them. But I'm afraid we can't let you three leave town anytime soon. She nodded at her husband, and as Fizzlepop looked towards her dad, he cleared his throat before saying, This... It's going to be a big adjustment, Fizz. We're not sure your powers will work without your horn to channel them, so we're going to have to take it slow. School's back in, but I don't think you're going to fill up to going just yet, which is going to put you a bit behind. I just want you to prepare yourself for when you do go back. You're going to look very different to your schoolmates, but you are the same smart and kind filly inside that you've always been. You're still our fizzy wizzy, and nothing will ever change that. Tears filled her eyes at the idea of not being able to use her magic. She would have to relearn everything, how to open doors, how to pick up things, how to eat. It would be a huge adjustment. She imagined the horrified looks her fellow students would throw her way, the judgment and the pity. But then she remembered she faced an Ursa Major and lived to tell about it. She had her parents and her friends who would always have her back. She didn't have time to wallow in self-pity or to be scared. She wanted to show everyone just how strong she was. She swore a promise to herself not to give up, no matter how hard things got. She felt her eyelids getting heavier with each declaration she made to herself. She let the weight of sleep pull her down, a smile frozen on her lips. She would win over the world, but it would have to wait until tomorrow. A few weeks later, she was back on her feet and ready to play. It had been the longest month of her life, full to the brim with lessons from a stern earth pony whom she was instructed to call Madame Busyhoof. In-home doctor visits, where her bandages were changed and her parents were coached through her long-term recovery and unrelenting nightmares. She dreamed night after night of herself back in the cave, but her horn was already gone. 
She tried in vain to send out a beam of magic to light her way, and instead, from the remnants of the appendage, came a gray cloud of smoke. It didn't take her long to realize that the plume wasn't smoke at all, but a storm cloud. It grew bigger and bigger until it filled the empty space around her, wind blowing violently and hitting her on all sides. Through the haze, she saw shadows of ponies running from the tempest in fear. She would always wake up breathless and frightened, unsure of the meaning of the dream. She tried not to dwell on it, but it made her increasingly uneasy as she could dream of nothing else. Last night, her mother had told her before she went to bed that she deemed her well enough to venture outside. She squealed with joy and was almost too wired to sleep. When exhaustion overpowered excitement, she drifted off back into the cave, back into the storm. This time, the shadows had been given flesh, and they were midnight skies and treefall. They looked at her in fear, scared of the terrible things she had brought to life, trying desperately to back away from her, but unable to as they were caught in the wind, frozen to the spot. She reached for them, trying to bring them close, but as soon as her hoof touched each one, they were immediately turned to stone, as if caught by the scare of a cockatrice. She recoiled from them in horror, screaming their names over and over before she was pulled out of the dream by a choking cry that she would only know came from herself, from her own mouth, as she swallowed and thought how dry and sore her throat had become. She convinced herself that she was just nervous about seeing her friends again. She knew Midnight and Tree would be waiting outside. She hopped out of bed and snuck a look in her bedroom mirror, taking a long look at her reflection. The right side of her face was marred by by an angry red scab sliding down her forehead and past her lower lid. The doctor had already told her it would scar, but he told her it made her look like a warrior, and her mom nodded and said she is a warrior. The space where her horn had been was jagged like broken glass. She hadn't used magic since the first day that she woke up after the attack. She had grown used to relying on her own physical strength to achieve things she wanted, but she hadn't seen her friends since she had woken up due to school resuming, and she was unsure how they would react to her loss of magic. She took an unsteady breath, but heard the giggle of her friends through her open window, and her heart swelled. If anyone would accept the new fizzle pop, it would be them. She trotted out of the house with trepidation, but could feel hope lighting a fire inside her. Everything was going to be okay. The end. Open up your eyes. (laughs) Exactly. I like with my stuff, I usually try to go into a world of like, well, let's explore the rest. You're like, no, let's take the saddest fucking moment and just explore it a bit deeper. I felt like it needed some fleshing out. I just didn't, I didn't like the way she left it. So yeah, that's my interpretation. And it, (laughs) I liked it. I will, uh. Just for the people at home, when I said, hey, B, you want to start doing like fan fiction every other week, all of Brenna Social Anxiety Clark came up at once as she was like, no, 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 I mean, I guess I can. I, I guess I could do that, but I don't know. Like, you became Fluttershy, and no, I'm mad because you're good. You did very good, and I loved it. Well, I just kind of, like, threw up on the page and then arranged it to, like, make sense. That's art, Brenna. Art is vomit. Art is tasty orange vomit. Exactly. Art is some vomit that a dude took, like, some sprinkles and frosting and popped it on top and was like... And cupcake fruit loops. What? No, cupcake. Cupcake fruit loops? Not fruit loops. I meant fruity pebbles. Which yeah, I threw up once, and it was a rainbow, and it was beautiful. 
And then they're just like, now eat this. Yeah. Eat, eat my Fruit Loop vomit. Oh, God. Um, Where did we go? <laughs> oh, be it. It was very, very good. I'm, I'm happy. I, good. I'm, I'm glad you thought so. Scotty's social anxiety also come out of like, I don't know. I've never read a lot of Brenna's writing, so I mean, I hope it's <laughs> It could have, oh, dude, I wish it had been the biggest pile of shit, and then you just <laughs> had to go, oh, yeah, hey, so about that, you writing uh, fan fiction every other week, let's, uh, no, I don't think we're going to go that way. It's, it's like when you uh, do the dishes badly, so your parents are forced to do them for the rest is that how that works? Yeah, Doug, you just do a chore really badly, and your parents are like, oh, they're bad at this. I'll just do it for them from now on. Yeah, Doug, well, that could have been you, but no, you just decided. <laughs> it was so good that at points I went to Google and was like, what fucking fan fiction did she steal? Who's did she steal? I made up the names and everything. I'm so proud of myself, even though. <laughs> it was it was good, B. But where can they find you on the internet, Miss Brenna? Uh, find me on the Twitter and the Instagram at Brennasaur, B-R-E-N-N-A-S-A-U-R. And you can find me on Twitter at ScottyMo, that's S-C-O-T-T-Y-E-M-O, and you can buy all my books on Amazon. They're all available on Kindle and in physical copies, or of course, if you go to audibletrial.com slash bsnetwork, you can get a free copy of Corp or Corp Risen and a free 30-day trial of Audible by going to audibletrial.com slash S Network. And then, of course, make sure to check out all the other shows at a load of pure Fight Boys for the wrestling fans, Opposite Attractions for the theme park fans, and then, of course, a load of BS if you like hearing just two dudes being jackasses and making up movies for an hour. So, check all that out. And then, of course, make sure to send in either to a load of pure BS at gmail.com or to our official Twitter account, your fan fiction. If you have my, my little pony fan fiction, check, send it in. We'll read it. We'll probably retweet it if we really enjoy it. Or of course, if you want to send in for next week's episode, because Brenna, we're diving back in to the world of the adventure zone. Yes! I am super, super hype. Mostly because I want to continue that D&D campaign we started. It really means that I gotta brush up on my, on my skill. Yeah, the pseudo D&D campaign that we started. Yeah! It should be fine. And of course, make sure to, uh, if you're on iTunes, rate, comment, subscribe. And do the same on YouTube. Every single little bit of feedback we get from you guys helps. And we love hearing for you. But until next time, Brenna... Well, you should stay away from Baby Pony Hitler. Oh, wait, wait, hold on. Before we end the show, we do need to discuss one thing, and it's the fact that the Baby Hitler scene came out, and everything everything we came up with for that Deadpool 2 scene is a lot better, because in this one, he's just, like, holding Baby Hitler and then sets him down and is like, I'm gonna go get Cable. He likes killing children. Well, I don't know. I like that Deadpool didn't kill him, but it it was much less violent than I expected, which from Deadpool is a letdown. So you're saying he didn't kill baby Hitler. He stayed away from (laughs) baby Hitler. Good job. I'm so proud. (laughs) He did it. (laughs) 